today. Come on, stand to your feet. And want you go ahead and turn to Luke's gospel, uh, chapter number one. We're going to continue our Christmas series today. The gospel of Luke, chapter number one. <clears throat> When you get there, you can say amen. I want to start in verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city, Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when, they, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Mm. This same Jesus, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you, Lord, for your incredible, your amazing love and gift to all of us. God, we are recipients, recipients of your grace. And not only that, Lord, as Mary found favor, God, you have favored us. Because all of, out of all the peoples of the earth and of the nations and from the beginning of time, you have predestined us to be called your children. We are here today because you called us. You marked us. You said from the beginning of time, you are mine. You're the apple of my eye and I love you. Jesus, what manner of love is this? And so, God, we thank you so much. We don't even have enough words to express, Lord, our gratitude for all the magnificent and wonderful blessings, God, that we have a family, friends. Father, our needs are being met. Father, we owe it all to you. So, Lord, as we take the next few moments, uh, we just want to refocus our energy, Lord, just to hear and understand fully who you are, and, Father, how we best can represent you in a world that so desperately needs you. We love you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated in our God's presence this morning. Well, we're going to end our series today entitled Unwrapping Christmas. And so we kicked off our Christmas series, and the first week we unwrapped Salvation. We talked about the most important thing that we can do and we can offer people is salvation and present Jesus Christ as God's one and only plan of redemption to all mankind. 
week after that, we unwrapped faith, and we looked at the life of Mary, and we saw that how God used her in an extraordinary way, but we also saw that Mary had extraordinary faith. We said in that message that you don't have to be perfect because none of us are there, but what we have found is that when people get serious enough to believe God, all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible. Then last week, we unwrapped joy and peace. We talked in that message about the fact that our joy and peace is not in the things that God give us, that our joy and peace is in knowing him. Jesus is our satisfaction. We sung a song earlier, and we talked about Jesus being the bread of life. And it simply means that he is the fulfillment of life, that when we somehow figure out and understand who he is and begin to feast on the life of Christ, our souls will be satisfied. And our joy and our peace is not predicated upon circumstances. Circumstances change, but your joy and peace don't have to change if you keep it in Jesus. Amen. And so today we're going to unwrap, in our final installment of our series, we're going to unwrap Jesus. Now, Jesus made a lot of statements about himself, and one of the things that Jesus said that you search the scriptures because in them you are looking for eternal life. He said that, lo, I come in the volume in the book, and all of these, meaning the scripture, testifies of me. Now, when you understand Jesus, you, you got to understand that Jesus predates when he came in the crib. Many people think that Jesus' life began there. No, Jesus has always been. And you, when you search the scriptures in its entirety, one of the things that you will discover in the volume of the book is the book, the entirety of the Bible, the Old Testament from Genesis all the way down to Revelation. It is a book that points to Jesus Christ. He is the consummation of all things. Everything that we do is about Jesus. Our gathering together is about Jesus. Your being created is for Jesus. Everything about life is about Jesus Christ. And so to understand that in his fullness is critical. Jesus once he was talking to his disciples, because oftentimes he had these conversations with his disciples, he said to each and every one of them, he said something like this. He says, um, who do men say that I am? This is in uh, Matthew chapter number 16. Jesus asked a question. Now, you got to understand how Jesus functioned. A lot of times Jesus would ask, ask questions, but when he asked those questions, he, he already knew the answer. It was, he was really going someplace. And so that's just kind of the pattern of how Jesus did things. So Jesus, once he was sitting down with his disciples, he says, who do people, who do men say that I am? Now, a lot of people were saying a lot of things about Jesus. In fact, some of the disciples said, well, some of them say that you're just another prophet. Some of them say that you're John the Baptist. Some says you're Jeremiah or, you know, or, or some say that you're, you're this one or that one. And so Jesus understood when he asked the question there was a lot of confusion around who he was. And so he asked the question to the disciples to bring it out and to highlight the bigger point, which is the follow-up question Jesus asked. And he said this. Now, I asked you at the beginning, 
Who do men say that I am? Now I want to ask you, who do you say that I am? Now, Jesus was now making it personal. Because it's one thing that those who were around and heard about Jesus didn't really have the kind of relationship and interaction with him that the disciples had. It's one thing to see and understand that, 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 you know, that they don't really know or they are doubting or they are somewhat skeptical. But, but you who have been with me, I've ministered to you. You've seen things. I've shared things with you that I've shared with nobody else. Who do you say that I am? That's a question that still haunts all of us today. Jesus understood that unless we really understood and we really reconciled who he was, the fullness of his nature, what he represents. If we don't really know that as Christians, if you're not, you don't have a strong conviction on that, then our ability to be able to, to share the mission of God is greatly compromised. Because how many know that around this time of year, there are so many different things. You know, all you have to do is turn on the television set. There are documentaries. There are always somebody with a story about Jesus, and they're always trying to discredit Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? And, 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 there, and there are all these stories about, oh, well, well, did Jesus really do this? Did, did he really rise again from the dead? And, and on and on and on. And if you are not convinced of who Jesus is, that stuff will rattle your brain. You who are Christian uh, you know, would, would say, well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. And how many know that we need to have a strong conviction and need to understand exactly who Jesus is. Because how many know that when you understand the fullness of, he, of who he is, it will change your life. Not only will it change your life, but it will change other people's lives around you. Sadly to say, and, and, I, and I, don't want to, I don't like saying this, but, but there are, believe it or not, there are people who are saved and who don't know how to articulate Jesus in a way that will persuade men to come to him. Because we haven't done the work of understanding the nature of Jesus. There's a reason why we come to church. Do you, do you know why you come to church and, and you worship? Do you know why do we talk oftentimes and we put things on the screen, how we are always talking about Jesus? Do you, do you not realize that everything that we do is always about the worship of Jesus? Why do we do that? Why do we worship Jesus? Why do we honor him? It's important not just that you do it, but that you understand why you're doing it. Because your why will strengthen your conviction and your passion and your love for God will grow deep. Because how many know when you know you got the real thing? Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you know you got the real thing, there's a lot of confidence that come out of you. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you, when you know that you have the truth. But if you're uncertain, if somebody can come and they can put a, 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 a wrinkle in, your, in, in, your, in your, your presentation or they can somehow cast doubt, then they know that you're at a point that you're uncertain yourself. So when we talk about, we're going to unwrap Jesus this morning because how do we know that when the disciples, I want you to think for a moment about the disciples, that, that when they realized the fullness of who Jesus was, you remember the couple of times when Jesus, for example, I'll give you an example, when Jesus was 
uh, on the boat asleep. Y'all remember that story? And the boat was about to capsize, and, and, and the winds and the waves, was, that boat was all over the place, and Jesus was laying in the boat asleep. Y'all remember that? I mean, asleep. And, and the disciples start waking him up. They're like, what's up, dude? Like, like, I'm paraphrasing. They didn't say that, but y'all get it. But dude, what's up? Wake up. Wake. We're about this thing about to flip. And, and Jesus woke up. He said, why did you doubt? Where is your faith? And then he spoke to the winds and the waves. And he said, peace, be still. At that moment, everything stopped. Now, Jesus is talking to creation. And when he said that, one of the things that the disciples said was, oh, my God. What kind of man is this? How do you know that Jesus is unlike any other man? Because he is more than a man. He's not a person, as we like to say when we're joking around, well, you know, he's a man just like me. He put his pants on and I put, you know, it, Jesus is much, much more than that. And so I want to uh, lay a little bit of a foundation here and as we move forward. I don't want to keep you too long. But I want to explore this announcement for a moment. In Luke chapter 1, verses 31 and 33, that was the focus verse of that particular passage I read. And he says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bring forth a son. Here's the focus. And he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, this was not an ordinary announcement. This will be the biggest story and is to this day the biggest story that ever hit planet Earth. This was supernatural. Think of it. God invading time, space in the natural order of things to send the angel Gabriel to a virgin and say, you who are a virgin, you are going to have a baby without the natural process of how that happens. Y'all know what I mean. You're going to be, uh, I'm going to put my seed in you by the Holy Spirit. Have me know this is all supernatural. This is a move of God beyond imagination. Nothing like it ever. Says that he will be great. Anybody ever like boxing? Anybody ever like, and you remember they used to say, Muhammad Ali used to say, y'all remember what he used to say? What did Muhammad Ali used to say? Come on, somebody, preach with me. He said, I'm the greatest. How many know that that was a bald-faced lie? And I believe he knew it when he said it. There is nobody greater than Jesus. He will be great, and he will be the son of the highest, which is a reference of his deity. When it says that he is the son of God, God has many sons, but he only has one son of God. That, was, that son was planted in the seed in the womb of Mary. And Jesus is sinless, and that's why God circumvented the natural process so that he can bring in Mary to, so he can bring in Jesus through Mary, who will ultimately atone for our sins. It says that he will reign forever. Jesus' reign will, be, will have eternal consequences. This is not just a story that we talk about. How many know that Jesus is going to reign forever. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Come on, raise your hand. Yes. 
He came as a baby, and he said, when he left, he said to the disciples, why are y'all tripping? Why are y'all sitting there gazing at me like, like, like I'm never going to come back? In other words, the same way you see me leaving, I'm coming back likewise. And I don't know about you, but I find myself every now and then saying, even so, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. And everybody know what I'm talking about this morning. So let's look at, for a moment, Jesus as the coming Messiah. Now, we understand through Scripture that that the Jews, all the way back, they had always looked, believed, and hoped for the Messiah. We call him the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. They knew that a Messiah would come and would ultimately reestablish order in the earth, righteousness and justice, and that the people of God will ultimately reign. And so all throughout history, you find that that, that, that the Jewish mind, they understood that there was a Messiah that was coming, one that will rule the nations. And so they looked for him. They looked for this Messiah. But like many of them were then, so are many of us today. We're blinded by the fact of what God is doing. How many know that God always works outside of the box? Some of you don't understand that. You will own the by and by. And so we understand that before Jesus came, not only did the Old Testament prophets prophesy that he would come, but they talked about in the scriptures hundreds and thousands of years the characteristics and the circumstances that would surround his coming. One of the things I want to say to you this morning, and, here's, and this is so important, are you listening? Say amen. amen. This Bible is not a book of made-up stories and fables. All right? This Bible is a historical book. These are real, actual events that happen. There are times and dates and locations that exist. The Bible is a historical book. And one of the reasons why you can have a lot of faith in this Bible is because of the prophetic nature of it. Things that were prophesied hundreds of years Way back when, before Jesus ever came, happened just as it said it was going to happen. I have great confidence in the word of God. I stand before you today. I, I stand as a man who have great convictions. I'm not moved because I understand the fullness of who he is and what this book. And so when you hear me talk a lot of times about, guys, you got to get this book. You got to get this book down into your hearts. You got to get it into your soul. Because the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. This is a historical document based in fact. Everybody say fact. There are a lot of other religions out there. They got books and there's stuff made up. Their locations made up, dates, but not the Bible. Actual things, events that happen. So I'm going to give you an example of that, just to give you a couple of verses. I want to move along very fast. I have a, couple, a few verses, but I really want you to, to listen you got a pen, I want you to write some stuff down because I don't have time to elaborate on a lot of things. But remember, this message is about unwrapping Jesus. And so I want you on this Christmas day to fully understand who it is that you're serving. Are you hearing me, church? I want you to have deep revelation. Who, who is it? So that when you walk out of this room, you can speak with authority. You'll see Jesus in a way that perhaps you have not seen him before. Jesus as the coming Messiah, concerning the virgin birth, 
This was a, a prophecy given by Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Look at this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This was a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus came. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Some 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah had given this prophecy before the New Testament was here. It was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. This was a prophecy that Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Christ came in the Old Testament. Concerning his throne and Isaiah again, Isaiah chapter 9. In fact, I love Isaiah because Isaiah is a very prophetic book. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 says, of the increase of his government, this is the prophecy, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Are y'all hearing that this morning? This is your story. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment, with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This prophecy was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. And it says this in Luke, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him a throne of David. Now, if you remember, David was a prophet in the Old Testament. David was a king of Israel. He was that same David that killed Goliath. And God said that David was a man after my own heart. And God said concerning David, your throne will last forever. There will be one that will sit on your throne, David, and I will establish it. And that person to further that kingdom forever was Jesus Christ. This was prophetic. It was prophetic in terms of where Jesus Christ was born. We talk about Bethlehem. It was, it, was, it was prophesied in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. Listen to this. This is an Old Testament book. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. He's talking about Jesus. This prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. This is the New Testament now. Fast forward. Now, after Jesus was born in where? Come on. Bethlehem. Right? So it was already prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and he was. Concerning his refugee status, it says in Hosea, an Old Testament book, chapter number 11, verse number 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt... I called my son. You know, y'all remember that Herod tried to kill uh, all, tried to kill baby Jesus and or at least the child Jesus. And, and uh, the Lord told Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt in order to escape what Herod was trying to do. But this was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. And there was until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Concerning our sins, here's another prophecy in Isaiah 53, 5. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace 
was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, I know we read the Old Testament, the New Testament, but, 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 but understand that when this, was, when this was mentioned, the New Testament hadn't even been formed yet. It was prophetic. And how many know Jesus was beaten? He was wounded for your sins and my sin, and it was prophesied that it happened, and so it was. Jesus, it says, he will bring forth a son. This is Matthew 1, 21. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this was a prophetic, this was prophetic all throughout the Bible. Now, why, now I, again, I want you to stay with me for a second. I know I'm, 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 I'm kind of, I'm trying to shorten this up some, believe it or not. But I, I want you, we're, we're unwrapping Jesus because I want you to understand the, the, his nature, the incarnation, who he is about. Jesus as God and creator. This is the big one. We're unwrapping Jesus. I said to you earlier that Jesus is not just another man. He's 100% man and he's 100% God, both in the same. The Bible says in John 1, verses 1 and 3. Now, this is Jesus as God and creator. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Watch this. And the word was. Everybody say was. And he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. Wow, this seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? And without him, nothing was made that was made. Now you read the book of Genesis, it says that in the beginning God, right, created the heavens and the earth. Here it says in the beginning the word, the word was with God and the word was God because God and the word are one and the same. You cannot separate God from his word. Are you hearing me? As you cannot separate me from my word. The words that you hear coming out of my mouth represents me. You cannot separate me from my words. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, that's the best example that I could give you. That's the best human example I could give you because God is God. Some, some people ask, I always amaze when people say, well, how can God do that? He's God. I mean, really, God, God supersedes your, he gives you just enough information so you would know the truth. He gives you enough to believe. But if God were to try and, and tell you everything, our heads would explain, there's no way we can contain it. John even said that in the gospel. He says, there's no way you can contain it because he's God. I want you to get this into your spirit. I'm very passionate about this because this is the whole reason why. I love Jesus so much. I understand his nature. This is the whole reason why. And so when somebody say worship Jesus, you'll know what I'm talking about. Then it says in verse 14, look at verse number 14 in John chapter 1, verse 14. Look, look at this. If you have your own Bibles, you can look at it. It says, and the word, everybody say the word. The word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who was that? The word became flesh. God wrapped himself in flesh, his word in flesh, and the word dwelt among us. Wow. And watch this. And we beheld his glory. This is with John. John, who was a prophet at that time, he said, we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to know what truth is? It's in Jesus. But then 
And the book of Colossians takes it a step further. Just in case some of you are like, I don't know about this, Pastor. Well, well, in Colossians chapter number one, verses 15 through 18, I'm going to read these verses. I got to go quick. But it says this. He, talking about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Remember I said at the beginning of this message, everything is about Jesus. Everything we do. Watch this. It's saying here in Colossians chapter one, he is the image of the invisible God. Oh, good God. See, he's the image. The image means he is the exact replica, the exact representation of who God is. Gee, you want to know what God looks like? It's Jesus. He is, watch this church, he is the image of the invisible God. You remember uh, who was it when Philip said, uh, he was hanging out with Jesus for so long, and Jesus doing all these miracles, and Jesus was talking about, and, and, and Philip said, well, 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 show, well, well, Jesus, show us God. Show, show us the Father, and that will make us happy. Just, could, you just, could you talk about, Jesus says, oh, wait, he said, he said, Philip, how long have you been with me? Do, do you not know that if you see me, you've seen the Father? I and my Father are one. Understand this. This is important as it relates to your understanding and worship of God. It says, by him, look at this verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible, invisible, talking about Jesus, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. How many know that Jesus created everything? Let me say that again. Jesus created everything. He is creator God. Jesus, it says here that he created everything. All things were created, watch this, through him. And you know why they were created? For him. Somebody, somebody was with me this morning. So God, so watch this. Christ created the heavens and the earth. Everything was made for him. Is there no wonder why things around us are so broken? Isn't there one, this is why we have problems in the world today, because people don't understand for who and why they were created. Your life will only find meaning and significance as you come back to the one who designed and created you with a particular purpose in mind, which was to serve and to worship him. Everything else that tries to occupy that space, it won't work. Are y'all with me this morning? Say amen. He's before all things and in him. Watch this. All things consist. In other words, Jesus is the one at this very moment, he's holding everything together. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of time he had to hold me together. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Jesus hold. Anybody ever felt like you were, you were at your wit's end and you didn't know and you didn't feel like, and all of a sudden somehow you got a strength, you got a surge. He holds all things together by the word of his power. This is Jesus we're talking about. You remember the baby that was born? You remember this is that same Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn. Firstborn is not talking in reference to time. Firstborn means in rank. There were many people that were born before Jesus, but how many know Jesus has their preeminence? So when it says firstborn, it's talking about he's ranked first. See, I'll give you an example. Like, for example, I've been on the, I've been on the police department for some 25, 26 years. Uh, and, but there are some folks who've been on five years and they all rank me. Y'all know what I'm saying? They're higher than me. Y'all, y'all get that. 
That's, that's, that's what that means. Firstborn means that he outranks everything and everybody. He's the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence. First place. Get this. Nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing. Nobody. He is greater. He is creator. He is God in flesh. Let's keep going. Y'all with me? Say, say, say amen. Come on, stay with me. He's equal with God. Remember, that's one of the reasons why they tried to kill him. Y'all know that's why they tried to kill Jesus, right? They tried to kill Jesus because he was, he said that he was equal with God. Look at this. It says, but Jesus answered them. He says, watch this. My father, this is a John chapter 5, verses 17 and 23. So y'all can write these down because I have to go fast. Uh, John uh, 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 17 and 23. But Jesus answered them. He said this, my father has been working until now, and I've been working. Uh-oh. There it is. He said, okay, my father has been working, and you know what else? I've been working too. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. They didn't want to beat him up, church. They wanted to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father. Now, they understood what that meant. Watch this. Making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he sees, for whatever he does, the son does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater work than these, that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, watch this, church, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. Watch this, verse 23, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. The same way. Okay, this is Jesus. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. In other words, Jesus said that if you don't honor me, you don't honor God. God said, if you, don't honor, if you don't honor me, you don't honor Jesus. In other words, Jesus said this, the exact same honor that you give to God, you give it to me. How many know this is significant? This is very significant because when other people try to compare themselves to Jesus, you understand why it is such blasphemy. You understand why that we reject it. It says in Ephesians 2, 9, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those in heaven and on earth. Look at this, church, and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord, watch this, to the glory of God the Father. In other words, this is what God wants. God wants all of us to worship Jesus to the glory of the Father. God himself said, I'm not, listen, he said, I have committed everything to Jesus. Everything. Jesus is the voice that everyone's going to hear. Everyone's going to worship and bow down whether they want to or they don't. They will have to come to terms with Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at Jesus as we get ready to wrap this up. Let's look at Jesus as ruler and king. So we talked about Jesus as God and creator. We talked about him as the coming Messiah, as the scripture talked about and foretold of his 
coming, of his birth. Now we'll look at Jesus as ruler and king. I said a moment ago that Jesus is coming back. Now, this ought to be a little bit of inspiration for all of us because Jesus could come back any moment. He could come back any moment. He could come back. Wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus came back today on Christmas Day? Wouldn't that be amazing? He just came and just, just took us home just, just, and just prepared to, to do what he has promised from the beginning of the world. It could happen today. It could happen in a second. You know, when the Apostle Paul, when, they were, when, the, Apostle Paul, when, they were, when the writers of the New Testament, when they were writing, with Peter and John and all of them, they lived their lives as if God could come at any second, that Jesus could come. And that's the way he wants us to live today. He wants us to live our lives as if he could come at any moment. Then it begs the question, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? What, how do you want to be found when he comes? It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, I would like to be one of those who are alive, and remain should be caught up. Everybody say caught up. We call this the rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible. But it says, caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, talks about the government, how it will be upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of his peace, and of his peace there will be no end. Isn't it amazing that in that particular prophecy of Isaiah, he said that the son who would be born, this child, Jesus, was also called Mighty God, even from those days it was clearly stated that Jesus was God. And the saints will rule with Jesus. Saints are those who believe in Jesus Christ. The saints are those who have a relationship with Jesus. This applies to each and every one of you. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people. That's you who believe in Jesus, the saints of, his, of the Most High, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and of his kingdom and dominions, I'm sorry, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. That's Daniel 7, 27. So the government is going to be upon his shoulders. Jesus is going to rule forever. There's not going to be any donkeys and elephants in heaven, no Republicans and no Democrats. I'm sorry to disappoint some of you. There's only going to be one. I know some of you dug in. You are so dug in. Man, you, you live your life like this is it. But, in, but how many know that the government will be upon his shoulders and he will reign forever? He will reign forever. So there won't be any voting. We don't get to vote whether or not Jesus is going to take over. Come on, somebody. No, this is a theocracy. He's going to run the show. And you know what? And we're going to worship him. And we're going to serve him with gladness. We're going to serve him with joy. And this is why... This is why I say to you who are 
I, it's nothing wrong with politics, but understand, just keep it in its context. Just understand that it's temporary. What's permanent is Jesus Christ. And then Satan will be defeated. Satan is the reason why we have so much death and pain. Satan is the reason why there's sin in the world. Satan is the reason why there's war. Satan is the reason why there's immorality. Satan is the reason why there's murder. He didn't force men to do anything, but he deceived men. It started with Eve, that little innocent sin, that original sin, we like to call it, that plunged the whole world into sin. But how many know God has a plan for that too? And it says here in Revelation 10, 20, 10, the devil who deceives them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever. This will be the end of Satan. How many know the devil is defeated? You ever hear us say that? The devil is defeated? The devil really is defeated. And he knows that he has but a short time. The question is, do you know he's defeated? Do you live your life like you know he's defeated? And then finally, God's going to make all things new. It says in Revelation 21.1, and I'm closing. Now saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. A new order is coming, church. Revelation 21.4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There will be no more pain. The former things have passed away. Now, knowing all these things that we talked about here today, it puts Jesus in a different light, doesn't it? He's not just that baby in a manger. He is the God-man. He is the creator. He is first place. He is above everything. He's the reason why everything exists. And so when you are confronted with an opportunity to share your conviction, and I hope your convictions have been strengthened, you understand that when you talk about Jesus, that, that anyone that would try to categorize Jesus as just another human being, just another somebody, the reason why we say it's heresy because it flies in the face of everything God did to redeem man to himself. Jesus came as a baby. We honor his birth at Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ. But as those who understand, we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want everybody to stand with me for a moment. Just stand as we prepare for communion. Revelation 5 and verses 9 through 13. Do we have that verse? Can we put that verse up on the screen? I want anybody who got a Bible in hand or phone, I want you to read that, get that scripture out. Because what I thought we would do to close this series out and to reaffirm our faith, our trust in what God said and what he intends to do in the, in the future that we are all awaiting and so happy about.
But I want us to read Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. I want us to read it nice and loud together. If you, it's probably best, if you can, we are reading the New King James Version. Uh, if you have a different version, you may want to look at the screen. But I want all of us to read it nice and loud. I want you to hear. How many know the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God? I want us to hear this this morning. This is the Jesus that we worship. Are we ready? And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. This is Jesus. Every head is bowed. Father, we thank you this morning.